Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We're also proud members of the Biblical and Reformed Network. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. The day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, We are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 2 Peter 3, verses 10 through 13. Well, hello and welcome everybody to the Locust and Honey podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Matt. And today is episode 51. 51. Join us as we discuss heaven. 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 So. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Today is going to be a little bit different because we don't have just a set topic. We have received uh, a couple questions that we are just piling together and we're going to answer them. So with that, if you listen to our podcast and you have questions or you'd like for us to expound on anything, don't hesitate to message us and we will try our best to answer them in a timely fashion. Yes. But before we get into these three questions that we have, let's affirm and deny some stuff. Mm. I always do that whenever you say that. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just, that's what it brings out of me. Well, I'm doing that. I I affirm your, mm. Well, good. But it's because I haven't even thought about what I'm going to affirm or deny today. Oh, okay. So, well, let's do it. I can go first then. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. So, I'm going to affirm the way that, so, I've been reading the Bible and reading the whole Bible just from start to finish, and I've never actually done that before. And so um, it's taken me a long time, but I'm finally, I'm really kind of making some, some strides through that. And right now I just finished up with Romans this morning Mm -hmm. and two days ago I finished up with the book of Acts and it's, it's interesting because Romans I've been through a lot. Like our Sunday school class right now that I'm teaching, we're going through Romans, Romans. I was just, I've spent a lot of time in Romans, um, Acts, I had not really spent a ton of time in. And so, but, and really all the epistles, I've spent a good chunk of time in, shouldn't say all of them, but certainly, you know, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians. I've spent a lot of time in those books. And what's really cool to see is how, um, because I never read Acts all the way through, I, I, I guess I didn't quite appreciate the context of which Paul was writing a lot of these books or letters. Yeah. Um, I knew, I knew the context. Like I knew certain ones he was writing them from prison or I knew certain ones he was, you know, writing them from different churches and things like that um, and different missionary journeys. But I, I think reading through Acts and seeing Paul's journey you, you can kind of better put together what exactly, where he's at at the point that he would be writing some of those letters. Right. And so that's been really interesting to see. Um, and so really my affirmation isn't just that, it's that, but just seeing that, but also just when you read through scripture, you, and read through it in its entirety, there are blessings that come with that outside of simply doing um Bible studies and daily devotions. I think right. that's a good place to be. It's a good thing to do. But I think that at some point, it's good to to go and actually strive to, to read the whole Bible. It's a very yeah. intimidating thing. And it's taken me a long, long, long time. I've been, it's taken me two years, which some people would be like, that's 
it shouldn't be taking that long. But you don't it do it in three months. Yeah, and you know, but like it's there's just a lot of blessings that come from that. Um, not only that, but you know, diving into what we would call exegetically looking at scripture. So diving into the scripture itself and then pulling out things for yourself and learning how to do that. It's just a really good thing to do. And there are certain blessings in that that you may not find in say a Bible study where someone's already got this sit, this system set up to put you through for you to see a particular thing. Right. You know, cause a lot of those things too are, you know, you'll get, and again, I like these Bible studies. I'm not trying to, yeah. but like you'll get a topic and then you'll go through the topic and then you'll, it'll have like, some of them will have like a verse, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then right. you've got, that's like, that's a whole it, chapter, right. For the day, you know, and then out of that one verse, you're pulling out some different things and stuff, but like, you're just looking at that one verse as opposed to looking at everything right. else. So. Getting a better grasp on the scripture as a whole. Right. So I guess my affirmation would be uh, through this journey of trying to read through the Bible, it's just, that's been one of the really cool blessings that I've been able to see in my, um, in my daily, you know, quiet time and stuff is, is that. So very cool. Yeah. All right. So mine's going to be a little bit different today. <clears throat> I'm going to affirm something that is local to us. So <laughs> for all of our listeners that aren't in the middle Georgia area, um, I don't know how beneficial this will be, but I'm going to affirm uh, a new pizza place called Cow Pies. Mm. If you've not been there and you are local to us, check them out. They have good cookies. They they do have good cookies. I mean, they look burnt. Ubs, insane. Like when I've you never look seen at the anything cookie, like, like it man, they completely burnt it. Yeah. And then it's just gooey on the ends. It's like yeah. melting in your mouth. So it's you crazy. get you get the crunch and the goo mm. all in one cookie. It's just. But uh, the reason I'm affirming them is we got to meet one of the guys that is an owner. And I just, they're a, a Christian organization. Um, they're a business, but they're, it's run by Christians. And so uh, I guess it's not necessarily a Christian organization. It's just a, a business mm. run by Christians. And, uh, but they're, they're using it as ministry opportunity and um, things like that. So I'm going to affirm cow pies and what they're doing. Um, they're using it as uh, discipleship. They're using it to reach people and uh, share the gospel with them and show what living the gospel out on a day-to-day looks like, which mm-hmm. is what discipleship is. And it's just teaching people how can you be a business owner and still be living by a biblical worldview in the decisions that you make and all of that. So, um, cow pies, check them out. And yeah, I like it. If you're ever in middle Georgia, check them out too. Good pizza. They got really good wings. They got really good cookies. Um, yep. when you come through to middle Georgia, which we'll, we'll meet you there <laughs> on, your, on your way to Florida. Yeah. Stop in middle Georgia and go to cow pies. Mm-hmm. So, um, that is my affirmation after you go to Bucky's. Yeah. Man. So, um, my denial. Mm-hmm. My denial is going to be the theatrics of politics. Ooh. Are yeah. you talking about AOC? Yes. That is what spurred my denial. <laughs> it's ridiculous. She's preaching. It's ridiculous. I mean, like, I think the thing, the thing about it, though, that I'm really going to deny is how deep it goes. Because it's not just, like, you see stuff like that, and it's like, okay, well, you know, I mean, she's always doing stuff like that, you know? But, like... It's, there's big theatrics that you see that's like that, where like, you know, you get someone who stands up in Congress and just yeah does some crazy thing. But then there's subtle theatrics of like kind of giving lip service to certain things and, and not, you know, being v- intentionally deceptive right for the sake of getting voters. That, that type of thing, it, it's extremely counterproductive. It's not fulfilling of the biblical role of government. It is going against what God has designed for government when politicians do that. They are not acting faithfully to the Lord who's given them the position that they're in. Um, And I don't like it. It's not good. Yeah. But uh, typically, though, too, the ones that are subtle, the subtle lip services are the most potent. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Those are the ones that really something is going on. You know what I mean? So, like, what was it? Um 
when Pelosi was Speaker of the House and Trump was given, I don't remember what it was now, but he was given a speech. Oh, the uh, uh, State of the Union. Yeah, she the State of the Union. The, She's yeah. just back there behind him yeah. clapping and then rips up. It's total yeah, theatrics. Yeah, it She's not that irate. Right. You know what I mean? She's just trying to get, you yeah. know, I don't know. Prove her point. Right. Um, somebody that we've talked about before, Samuel, um, our Canadian brother in Christ that is now an expat and lives here in the States. Uh, he, he talked about it and he was saying how people have been very outraged over blackface in the past mm-hmm. um, and politicians that have gone to these parties dressed up as, as black people. But he said now what we're looking at is uh, black voice where she's right. trying to, to steal a black pastor's preaching style, you mm-hmm. know, to prove her points and all of that. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I agree. My denial is going to get us into some weeds. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. So, I brought my machete today, so. Uh, I, I'm denying not this specifically, but what people think about it. Okay. Uh, have you done anything with chat GPT yet? No, you told me to, and I, I tried, but the servers were too full, Busy. and I couldn't yeah. do it. So chat GPT. Chat GPT, it's uh, the most advanced AI in the world thus far. And you can go on there and you can get it to do anything. Um, you could say, write my paper from the perspective of a ninth grader and whatever you mm-hmm. want it to do. And it'll do it, right? You can have it draw a picture of a realistic blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, write a screenplay about this. But, Some of the pictures are pretty cool, though, I got to say. I've yeah. been seeing stuff that yeah. people have... Anyway. But so Jat, Chat GPT is the most advanced. And, um, I mean, like, you can get in there and say, write a story about zombies from the perspective of... And then think of, like, an old author, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so write it in their voice, you know, how they wrote. And it will do it. And uh, it's pretty accurate uh, with that. But so what I'm denying in all of this is people's, the way that they view AI and like the future of artificial intelligence and um, all of that, because it's like, wow, look at this. It's like this life of its own. It's this living thing that we've created, you know, but that's not what it is. It's just a complicated puppet being pulled by algorithms that were created by people and they're you know so one of the things Mm -hmm. with chat gpt is uh some people were asking it what is the most efficient fuel source and it was it said fossil fuel (laughs) and everybody's like (laughs) Um, so they've now reprogrammed it to where it now will say electric cars and electricity and all of that um, because it was not politically correct, mm-hmm. you know, so there, but my point Thumbs in all of that scales. is, yeah, my point yeah. in all of that is what it's pulling from, it's kind of like a Uber Google, you know, it's pull, it's pulling from anything that the internet has on there. And, um, and, and so, but it, it, it still has these constraints. We've created it. It's got these constraints and all of that. Um, not to say that like AI is something to be thought through, um, because it is, it's, you know, uh, they're already talking about how professors are going to, like, it's going to be really hard to figure out if this is plagiarism or not, you know, right. did an AI chatbot create this or did the student create this? Right. Um, so that's going to be something to be thought through. Grading papers, you can have it write code for you. You can have it do all kinds of stuff. You just say, do this. And then it will, within seconds, it'll spit out this whole big thing, you know. Right. Um, and then you can you can go further with it. You can say, okay, now, now take that and do it from this perspective or take that and do it from this angle. So people are asking it hard theological questions and it's giving the, the two most predominant answers that mm-hmm. are – pretty accurate um i saw a theology professor that was asking it one of those and um i don't remember what it was if it was like the origin of sin or what it was but um it it gave you know the here's what most 
the consensus is this, mm -hmm. you know, and it was pretty accurate. Um, so, but yeah, so get on there, check it out, chat, chat GPT, play around with it. But my denial is it's not a new life form. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've not created a new being. Uh, it is a puppet that is working within the confines that it was created to work in. It's just algorithms that are complex. Um, but nonetheless, if you pull the plug on the servers, it ceases to be. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, one day we might have to do a whole episode on AI and, mm -hmm. and all of that. Uh, but I think to suffice, if, if you're more interested in that, go check out um, Stories or Soul Food. We had Brian on our show. Mm -hmm. They did an episode specifically on AI and just talking about, you know, looking at Tesla and the decision-making process that goes on in their cars driving and who's accountable for what when accidents will happen mm -hmm. and, and all of that. Uh, but just kind of looking at, at AI, they've, they've done an episode recently. So check that out. If you would like to delve deeper into the world of AI thought from a biblical perspective. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just my denial is AI is not a new life form. It is code. It is algorithms and it's a puppet that's being pulled by human strings, um, but that doesn't mean it can't be dangerous and all of that as well. Mm -hmm. So that's my denial. Man. Man. But today, <laughs> I don't know how to transition from that. Uh, something that is not being pulled by human strings <laughs> is the questions that we've got because they're from real listeners. That's right. We have three today and we will just start tackling them one by one. I think we're going to do... Uh, this one first, I'll read the question and we will answer it. Mm -hmm. So we have a listener that said, Hey guys, I'm commenting on the biblical finances podcast, which is our last podcast. Mm -hmm. If you haven't listened, go listen now. It was a great podcast and I agree with all of what was said on the financial part of the discussion, but... <clears throat> <laughs> That had an extra one in there. Mm. But during the talk, the point was brought out that many Christian artists often write songs about feelings and emotions of themselves as well as the feelings and emotions of other believers. I understand that these songs are not centered around true worship and the Lord would not have us to worship him on the Lord's day in that way. You guys explain this in the Biblical Worship versus Burger King Worship podcast. But I do not understand what is wrong with them writing or singing about their experiences of the Lord in their lives and how their lives were transformed by him. Pastors talk about their experiences with the Lord during sermons or sometimes they will talk about experiences that they have seen in others. Maybe I'm misunderstanding what you were saying about the topic. If you could clarify, that would be great. Thank you. So let's clarify. Let's. Um, this is coming from, like I said, our last podcast episode, Biblical Finances. And this was brought up when I asked you, how is what we're saying not like the, um, what's it called? Where uh, prosperity gospel. Yeah. How is what we're saying different than the prosperity gospel? Mm -hmm. So we were talking about that. And, uh, and then we also were, we're talking about how, um, the, the Christian music industry as a whole, it, it's, it's people that are writing these songs that are just catchy. And, um, and, and so that's where it comes from, but yeah. I'm gonna let you take a stab at it first and then I will give my thoughts All right. as well. Um, so first I want to, I want to draw two, two distinctions. The first one being Sunday morning. The church, the gathering of the saints, the Lord's day, the Lord's day. I want to go and separate that from the rest of the week first. Riding down, riding down the road in your car. Right. There's a difference between what you sing as a congregation on the Lord's day versus what you sing riding around the road in the car. Yeah. I can listen to, I can listen. There's some secular songs that I listen to in the car. What? Yes. 
Secular? Like, there's some country music that's really good. Folk music. What? Not a ton of the new stuff, but <laughs> anyway. But that does not belong on Sunday morning on the Gathering of the Saints, right? Right. So, so we're not going to sing Bruce Springsteen. We're not going to sing, yeah, we're not going to sing, Made you know, George Strait. We're not going to sing Garth Brooks on Sunday morning. All okay? right. What about so, uh, God Bless the USA? We're not going to sing that either. Okay. <laughs> so um, that is the first distinction. The, the Sabbath is holy. And, to, and keep it holy. to clarify what you're saying, God has required how he desires to be worshipped. Right. And the gathering of the saints on the Lord's day is not about us, but it's about him. Right. And bringing worship to him. So we can be proud Americans, we can be proud Christians, we can be all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, but when we gather on the Lord's day, God has designated the way in which he desires to be worshipped. Right. And, and so when we're singing songs, they're to him, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs that are worshiping him. Mm -hmm. It's not about us. Right. And we've dealt with that too. Right. So that- Biblical worship versus Burger That's right. That is what we were talking about in that particular episode. The second distinction that I want to make is outside of the the Lord's Day. So right now- When you are riding car. down the road in your car. Um, there, Yes, there are songs that you might hear on the radio that are about- personal things, right? So personal walk with your personal walk with Christ, how, you know, the Lord has blessed you in a certain season or how you're going through a tough season, things like that. And those songs, I don't necessarily inherently have an issue with. Okay. What I have an issue with is the fact that what, what we've become as a contemporary Christian music industry is in fact an industry that, has hands in it that are not of good faith. So there are hands in the industry that are essentially saying, okay, these five pillars are basically the five pillars that most Christian contemporary songs are written about on the radio. Let's just, and they don't even have to be a Christian to do this. They'll say, let's just write a song with these certain words in it and this certain tone and this certain song order and song structure and put it on the radio, and we can go make a lot yeah. of money off of Christians. It's, it's marketing, right? That is the that's that's there's a difference there between a Christian artist who is genuinely okay. So a good example would be like "Though You Slay Me," right? Shane and Shane, yeah. Wrote, there's a song called "Though You Slay Me." That's I don't think Shane and Shane actually wrote it, but that they made you know. No, yeah, it's a he big, did. Oh, His did dad he? had a heart attack, and then he. Wrote oh, it. gotcha. Okay, that is a song about personal things. That's a song about. You know, though you slay me, yet I will worship. Mm -hmm. I will bless your name, right? It's a yeah. song about something that has happened and you're walking through it with the Lord. Yeah. Okay. I would, if there's a difference between that and say the fluff that you might hear on the radio nine times out of 10, yeah. you know, um, and that difference is the genuine, the genuineness of it, you yes. know? Um, and so, that is kind of what we're talking about in that last episode when we were talking about um, prosperity gospel because what's the point of the prosperity gospel? It's to suck wealth and money out of Christians to a certain individual, not of good faith. Right, right? and it's the promise that if you do this, then you will get back this. Right. It's, so yeah. it has nothing to do with following Christ. It has nothing to do with the gospel. Mm -hmm. All it has to do with is if you do these practical things, it's pragmatism, right? Right. If you practically do these things, then you will get this. It's an investment that you're making. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do about your relationship with Christ. It has nothing to do about your standing before the Father. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's all here, do this practical thing, and then in return, God will give you this. Right. Right? Um, and so we tied that into the Christian music industry because there is a lot of money to be made within Christian music. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to be a Christian, right? Um, you're just, yeah. you're, it's marketing. You're looking at your target audience, okay? Right. This is my target audience. What do they want? And then I'm going to make sure that I give them that in this song. Right. And then they're going to 
buy it and I'm going to make a lot of money. It's the same thing with the Christian movie industry. And and you can make these songs cheaply. Well, that's you can what make I was the say. movies cheaply. That's what I was yeah. So with the Christian music or with the Christian movie industry, um, why are they always so low budget? The answer is they could they could spend the same that a Marvel movie spending mm-hmm. and, and have it be top of the line when it comes to video production, uh, top of the line when it comes to the 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 writing of the movie itself. Uh, top of the line when it comes to the actors that are in it. And they could spend millions upon millions of dollars to make a Christian movie, and it's going to sell exactly the same as when a local church gets together and makes a movie, and they then get other churches to pitch in and put it on the big screen Mm -hmm. because the same people are going to go and see it just because it's a Christian film. So what the movie industry has done is said, okay, we're going to continue to make these because it's a shoe-in that you're going to get right around this amount for right. making it, but we are going to do it on a shoestring budget. We're not going to put in more effort than we need to because we're going to get the same return regardless. So we've got to make sure that it's super feely and super spiritual and there's mm-hmm. this conversion experience and it's this over-the-top caricature of what it means to be a Christian and all of the Christians are going to go and watch it, right? Right, um, and they're going to bring their kids, right? And and so they're going to make the same amount of money there than they would if they were doing, um, you know, good writing, good cinematography, good acting, all of that stuff. It's not going to change. So they don't do that. Yeah. Um, it's with the the music industry. There are musicians out there. There's a lot of them that are on the radio today. Just like when you have the prosperity gospel. So if I have 12,000 members that go to my church, if I have 30,000 members that go to my church, chances are at some point along the way, I've watered down the gospel Yeah. because I'm reaching so many people. When you're reaching so many people, the gospel is divisive. Mm-hmm. The gospel says that we are sinners and we need to repent of that sin. That is not this message that everybody's just like, Hey, I love hearing that, right. you know? And, and so, um, it's the same thing when they're writing music, they want to write spiritual songs that reach the Christian market, but they don't want them to be too theological because at that point we now are feeling guilty over sin, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, so they're, they're threading this needle through, I want to be Christian. I want to get in the Christian category because then I'm guaranteed to sell this many songs, but I don't want to be too Christian that I lose some of that target market. Right. So I want to be just Christian enough. Um, and, and so that's what we're talking about when we're bringing all this up. We're not saying that you can't listen to songs riding down the road in your car. Um, but a, a, a good, a good standard for, um, are these songs I should be or shouldn't be listening to is the theology in the mm-hmm. song. Is it correct? Right. Um, because ultimately, and, and this is kind of going to be the answer to our second question, but ultimately it's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. Why was the song written? If I'm going into the music industry for the purpose of making money, then, um, then that's what we're talking about. If I'm writing a song because I want to sell this many records, then that's what we're talking about. If the Lord has put a song on your heart that you want other people to hear, that's great. Right. Do that. We are encouraging that. Uh, we need more Christians that are doing that. We need mm-hmm. Christians that are making music. It doesn't necessarily have to be classified as Christian music, just believers that are making music that glorifies God and tells the truth about who he is and who we are. If Christians are doing that, then that's wonderful. And I'm encouraging you to go and to listen to that music if it's theologically sound. Mm -hmm. But what we're warning against is those that see you as a number, uh, those that see you as a dollar sign and are just trying to target a Christian audience for the purpose of selling their records. Right. Um, That's what we're warning against there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The heart is evil in that sense because it's that love of money, mm-hmm. that love of worldliness and what that can bring. Um, so that's the mammon that is spoken of there, just that worldliness. 
The second question is similar, so I'm going to kind of tie it in right now. Okay. The second question is, what are your thoughts on pastors that write books? Okay. Um, and I'm going to let you take a stab at that, and then I'll try to tie it up. Well, I think it's similar in that the answer boils down to the same thing. What's the heart yeah. behind the book? You know you what I mean? cheated. Oh, no. I, <laughs> but, like, what is the heart behind the book? I yeah. mean, are you writing the book to sell a bunch of copies and to be on the New York Times list and get your name recognized? Because that can be a gra of great benefit to pastors who are trying to be famous because now all of a sudden up. everyone wants to go to your church, you know? Or you get invited to this conference. You get invited to this or conference or that conference that you can speak at and everybody's going to know your name. And buy your book. Buy your book. And it, it's it's a whole thing. And you're going to make a lot of money. A lot of money. Right. And so um, there is a temptation there to, to do that for the love of money. Um, but... If a pastor genuinely has something on their heart that they that the Lord has pressed on their heart and they've just been stewing over it and stewing over it and just that that has been they've got to get it out. Yeah. You know? Um, write the book. Yeah. You know, right. give it out to your church. Tell your church to give it to other people. You can, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of how I was gonna answer it. It, it it's the same. Um, mm -hmm. it's the heart. Am I doing this for uh, prominence? Am I doing this because of my ego? And you can even sell the book, you right. know? But yeah. again, it's just that boils down to your heart. Right. You know? Why am I doing it? If what I feel is the Lord has put this on my heart and mm -hmm. he's put this on my heart, sounds weird. But like, this is something that I've seen in God's word and I see that this is missing in the diet of my contemporaries, the culture around me. Right. Um, here's, here's some, uh, bread of life that I've, I've seen in God's word and the culture is not eating this, you know, right. um, then I need to write it and put it out there. You can give it to a publisher. You can sell it. You can get it out there, but you're doing it for the purpose of people hearing what you're saying, not because you want to be famous, right. you know? Um, now there is kind of what you talked about. There's this whole, man, they've been called like rock star pastors where, you know, there's these conferences that everybody wants to speak at, or, you know, you want to have your book be sold so that you can say, I'm a published author. It's like the, or, the <clears throat> so the, like the passion conference. Yep. I feel like is like the the Super Bowl of right. evangelicalism. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I used to, I mean, I've been to the Passion Conference. I used to, you know, and some of their music and stuff's good, but like, it's crazy. Right. I mean, people will literally, that's, they'll look forward to that. Anyway, this is a whole tangent. I don't want to get off. But like, they'll look forward to that and like, they'll pay for it and then they'll go ahead and like pay for next year's. Right. And they'll, maybe like not even get involved. They're not even a member of a church. Right. They just go to that every year yeah. and that's like their thing. Well, and then from the, anyway. the speaking side though, like there's people that that's, if I'm speaking at passion, then I know that I've made it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so if, if that's the mentality behind the pastor writing a book, right. they're wanting to, they're just doing it because they want to make money. Um, then I would say that that's not wise. Uh, but if the pastor has, Something that they've so I, I think a good example is uh, John MacArthur. You know, mm -hmm. um, his secretary started putting together his sermons and putting them. Then they they made them into books and published them. But <clears throat> I, I think I heard um, that he doesn't take any of that money from that. Mm -hmm. um, his salary has stayed the same over the years. I don't know if he's investing that for his kids or into the ministry, probably a little bit of both. Um, but he's he's writing these books that are just sermons because he writes out his sermons and then they've just kind of taken them and, and made them books. That, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Uh, because his heart's right. And so it goes back to our biblical finances. Money is a magnifier of the heart. Mm -hmm. If I'm writing these books because I want people to hear it and then in turn they buy those books and I get paid for that, that's fine. Use that, steward that money well. Don't let that 
go to your ego. Don't let that go to, you know what I mean? Because then the Lord's going to quit using you in that way. Well, and like two other examples that I would think of that kind of, it broadens the range of the type of book that you, that pastors write. You've got say nine marks, you've got Mark Dever and all the people involved with nine marks who write all these books that are not necessarily sermons, but they are, they are, you know, four churches there to, and there's no telling how many churches are now thriving because of the help of those books. Ultimately the Lord is the one who gives wisdom, but those books are helpful, you know? And then another would be, so we talk about him a lot on here, but Douglas Wilson, where he's up there and he's a pastor. He writes fiction books sometimes, you know? And, but ultimately, you know, and I'm saying that just to say, like, you can even write books that are fiction, but if your heart is right and it's pointing people to the gospel, it's pointing people to Christ ultimately, then yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and, I mean, you could say that with a podcast. Right. You know, why are you doing it? Do you want to be famous? If right. you want to be famous, then it's probably not the best thing to have a Christian podcast for the purpose of you getting famous. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, and then even to take it a step further, it, it, I've heard people, there was a podcast that we listened to um, and talked about it. It was, So You Want to Be in Ministry by Apologia Studios. Uh-huh. And um, one of the things that I think Jeff or, or Luke was saying was like, be wary of people who actually want to be pastors. Right. They want that that power. But yes. Yeah. Because it sometimes, a lot of times, like, okay, you got people who like, okay, if they're called, they feel like they're called to be a pastor, that's one thing, you know, but like, I want to be a pastor. Like, that is my goal in life is to be yeah. a I want to senior be pastor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be wary of that. Yes. Because it, 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 once the person gets there, that's when it, that's when it really, well, whatever's in their heart comes out. There's qualifications Right. Of an elder, there's qualifications of a pastor, and one of those is humility. Right. You know? So, um, <clears throat> yeah, with that episode that you were talking about, uh, Jeff was saying that they get emails all the time that say, how can I have a ministry like yours that's thriving, and mm-hmm. what exactly what gear are you using, and what right. this and that. That's that's That shows the heart, and mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about. Right. If I just want to be successful— um, then you're probably not in it for the right reasons. Right. But if what you're doing is, so let's use our podcast as an example. We are on a makeshift budget here. We have a little thrown together studio. Um, we've got maybe $250, $300 totally invested into <laughs> yeah. the Locust and Honey podcast. And, um, and so, but what we're doing is, we're doing this because we feel like these are conversations that people are having that we've been having anyway. We would like for our kids one day to go back and listen to what we were thinking through, wrestling through, growing through together. Uh, and then if our conversations can be helpful to others, then we want to have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't care if we become mega famous podcasters or if nobody ever knows what the Locust Hunting Podcast is. Right. We're going to be faithful to do what the Lord's called us to do. And then those that he brings to hear, um, then we we pray that what he's doing in our life and what he's saying through us is beneficial to them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our driving factor is not to, to give us more clout and say, hey, I'm a youth pastor, but I have a podcast. <laughs> I've wrote a book and I've done this and I've done right. that. You know what I mean? Um as the Lord lays things on our hearts, we're going to do them and pursue that for his glory. But if it ceases to be about his glory, then we cease to do it. Right. That should be the same thing with the author. Um, if what you're doing is for the glory of the Lord, then pursue that because that's what we're called to. But if it's for your own glory, then you've made yourself an idol. Mm-hmm. And um, and so you, you should probably stop doing that. If the music that you're writing is to glorify God— then that's great. Continue pursue that. But if it glorifies man, then you need to stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, I, I think that's a, a pretty good answer to both of those. Yeah. All right, this last question. It's a little, little question. Not too hard. So, um, a, a common thought is when we get to heaven, we're going to be sitting up in the clouds and singing songs of worship to the Lord. Right? Yeah. When there's going to be. So the question is harps and. Well, what was asked is um, from a person that is 
growing in their walk with Christ. Near and dear to us. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> this was asked to my wife. Oh, 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 gotcha. From a okay. person that is growing in their walk with Christ yeah. and pursuing the Lord, doing lots of Bible studies, all of that. Um, and came from a genuine concern of mm-hmm. um, how is that, like, I know standing in front of the Lord and and seeing him in all of his glory and worshiping him, that's going to be our desire. But if heaven is eternal, how does that not get boring, mm. you know? Uh, and, and so my wife, her response was, well, you should hear Matt talk about it, uh, but I don't fully know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so then she was like, um, so I would like to request that you guys answer, what will heaven be like? Or what is heaven like? Yeah. You want to um, take a stab? I'll, I'll take a stab, and, and I don't know how far I'll get, but I'll take a stab. All right, stab it. Um, Tell me about heaven. I want to I wanna bring us to, um, I believe it's Isaiah chapter 11. Let's see if I'm right. If I'm not, then I'll just say what it was, and I know that it is in Isaiah. Um, so. Yeah, I agree, Andrew. Thanks. So. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9. Okay. Um, I th- this is what it says. It says, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And this is, I, this whole time Isaiah to this point has been giving uh, basically what the end will look like. So you've got um, uh, verse 8, for example. It says the, or verse 7, it says, The cow will and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Verse 8, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Um, In verse 9, it says, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for all of the earth shall be full of the knowledge of God, or of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Um, I... I want to I want to start with that because I think it's helpful to kind of imagine that, right? So yeah. you've got the whole earth, the whole earth. So even the places that you think are just completely godforsaken of like, you know, certain parts of Asia, certain parts of the United States, certain parts of the Middle East and things like that. Um those by, places by godforsaken you mean people that aren't worshiping the Lord or well they're well, no, I mean, there are people who genuinely think the Lord is just done okay. with those people, yeah. right? Um, which he's not. <laughs> Let's clarify that. <laughs> but those people ultimately, as in what Jesus says in Matthew 28, when he says, all through heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore make disciples and teach them to obey all that I have commanded. Um, those people ultimately will be submitting to the the law of the Lord, right? Okay. And so what we have here in Isaiah chapter 11 is more of a picture of the fulfillment of the Great Commission. So if you can imagine this, you can imagine Jesus handing over the keys of the kingdom to the Father and ultimately we live, us living on earth forevermore with the Lord. Heaven is ultimately where the Lord in where the Lord is. So in the presence of the Lord, that's what heaven would be defined as. Okay. When I think of heaven, I think of that. I think of more so the knowledge of God covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. You can't separate water from sea. Water is sea. There is no separation there. Um, I, which means that that takes away from. That's a completely different definition from what I think a lot of people in the church believe about heaven, which is that it is a literal, um, not that it's not a literal place, but like it's a complete, there's babies floating around with harps and all you do is just like float on the clouds for the rest of eternity and you just, that's all it is. Or you've got people who have this 
have this, I would say, rather materialistic view of heaven where it's like the reason why we want to go to heaven is so that we can live in a great big mansion. Made of gold. Made of gold, you know, and walk on the seas of glass. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not realizing that, I mean, a lot of those things, you know, are describing, they have deeper meanings. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and so um, that is where I will begin with my thoughts and probably may end with my thoughts, but I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. So I'll turn it back over. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think... I hope that gets us on a good start. <laughs> it does. Uh, because you're, you're kind of dealing with this, um, you got the Gnosticism view that... Yes what we should be striving after is the spiritual and anything physical is bad. Right. Right. So, uh, a, a very Gnostic thought is I've got to get out of this physical and get to the spiritual. So I don't even want to partake in the physical. All I'm looking to is the spiritual and I've got to get there. Um, that's not a biblical thought. That's a Gnostic thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, we, we need to alleviate that. Um, we also need to alleviate the Middle Ages thought where you've got all these little babies on clouds, right? If you've, so one yeah. thing that I got to go to was um, <clears throat> the Reich Museum in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and you're looking at all these different paintings, and so you would see these, <laughs> these paintings of these angels and these little babies that are— right you know, in the clouds and it's this heavenly scene. They're all or nice and plump. The the Sistine Chapel and you've got, <laughs> you know, you've got God and all that, but then all these little babies <laughs> all around, you know. Yeah. Um, so we, we need to get those things out of our mind when we think of heaven and we need to allow, allow scripture to be what illuminates our thoughts mm-hmm. on what heaven is. Um, now, with that said, when it comes to describing heaven, there's not, a whole lot there. There there is stuff there, but it doesn't just say, this is what heaven's going to be like every day for all of eternity and paint the picture. Um, But there, there are some things. And, and I think the, when we're talking about heaven and what it's going to be like, there's two distinctions that need to be made. What is heaven like now? Mm -hmm. And what will heaven be like after the resurrection? And that's, uh, that's what Isaiah 11 is talking about. Yes. Yeah. And those are two different things. Um, mm-hmm. Heaven now and heaven after the resurrection are going to be different. Heaven now is spirit. Um, God, the Father, is not physical. He's spirit. God, the Son, became flesh, right? Mm-hmm. So you have spirit becoming flesh. But um, right now, to be absent from our physical body for believers is to be present with the Lord. So heaven now, it's spirit. Uh, We've got the absence of the body to be present with the Lord. When you read Revelation, when John's taken up into heaven, uh, you're seeing what heaven is like now. Mm -hmm. So read Revelation, that will give you uh, an understanding of of kind of the picture of what heaven looks like now. And, um, And then we will know people as we are known. You know, so when Peter and John were with Christ at the Mount of Transfiguration, um, they saw Elijah and they saw Moses that appeared and they knew who it was. Mm. You know, they didn't have to go, huh. Yeah, that always uh, confused me when I read yeah. that. I was like, man. But <laughs> because um, they, they they knew them and they will be known. Yeah. Uh, and um, so we will be in heaven with other people um, waiting on the resurrection. Now, what will heaven be like after the resurrection? Um, like I said, this is where there's not a whole lot of stuff, but what scripture does give us, we can, we can infer from there. And, and so this is kind of my take. This is some, some other people that have kind of talked about this, but, uh, it's, it's not, this goes with what you're saying. It's not this out there understanding of, Heaven is this specific place mm-hmm. past the universe. You go, you know, at the fifth galaxy, you right. take a right, and then you go <laughs> another couple hundred light years, and then you get to heaven. Right. Uh, it's not this out there thing, but it's when heaven, the spirit, and earth, the physical, are in perfect harmony. 
uh, the best example of what heaven will be like is the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. We're going back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, the Garden of Eden, you have Adam and Eve. You have the physical creation. God created everything. He saw that it was good. And there is no sin at that point, right? God looks at everything, calls it good. And God the Father has fellowship with Adam and Eve. And and so what makes heaven heaven is there will be perfect fellowship. There's not this separation or this disfellowship because of sin. There is no sin. And so you have perfect fellowship. You have harmony. Um, and and kind of to clarify too, because I've said what you just said uh, about heaven is the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um R.C. Sproul kind of challenged me on this, not personally, but through his, uh, something that he said. Yeah. But he said, um, God is in hell as well. Uh, because people will typically say heaven is heaven because God is there. Hell is hell because God's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, heaven will be heaven because God's mercy, love, and grace will be poured out on people. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it heaven. Hell will be hell because God's justice and vengeance and wrath will be poured out on people. Mm. That's what makes it hell. Yeah. Uh, God is everywhere. Um, but, but so in hell, that's what you've got is God's judgment being poured out on people in heaven. You have his mercy and grace being poured out and love poured out on people. But, uh, so we're getting back to the garden. Uh, all things will be made new. This isn't new things. So I started with second Peter chapter three, Uh, The day of the Lord will be like a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all of these things thus to be dissolved, what sort of people should you be? And then he goes on and he talks about it again um, because he says, um, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn. But according to his promises, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. A lot of people read that uh, without having what you talked about with your affirmation. They don't have a, a biblical grasp of what scripture's saying from Genesis to Revelation, they just read it in that context right there. Mm. And they go, huh, so God's going to take heaven and earth and he's going to put it in his oven mm-hmm. and he's going to melt it like butter, you know? But that's not what's going to happen. And without getting too deep into this passage, um, you see this new heaven and this new earth being made. God is not only restoring us, because Paul Paul talks about the same, he uses the same wording talking about us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the old has passed away. Behold, all things are n- made new. So you, you see this, um, what I was saying, these things are made new, but it's not this destruction of things and then these new things made. Mm-hmm. He's not starting over. He's redeeming what he's already made and what was already good. Um, so with that... Um, what you have is is sin doesn't enter and God doesn't, uh, you know, if we're understanding it's just going to be this physical thing, the problem with that is in the creation story, you've got God creates everything and it's good and then all of a sudden sin enters. Well, well, God doesn't just throw away his original intentions for mankind because right. sin entered. That was all part of the plan, mm-hmm. but we're going to go back to we will be restored. We will be made new. Those that are in heaven, they will have new hearts. They will have new bodies. They will have um, all of that. And and there will be no more sin. That will be done away with. But creation is also being restored. Creation is also being made new. And so there's this melting of the old. There's mm-hmm. this death of the old, but this making new. But just like me as a believer, the moment I gave my life to Christ, the moment that my heart of stone became a heart of flesh. The old me died. Mm-hmm. I'm now buried with Christ and I've raised again to new right. life. And, and so I have been a new creation. There has been this destruction of the old, but it's, it's not just, it's not a physical destruction. There will be a time when I die, but there will also be a time that my physical earthly body that has died will be made new. It mm-hmm. will be restored. 
Uh, and it's the same thing with the earth. Uh, it's the same thing with the, the universe. You know, God is destroying, but he's making it new. Yeah. And, and so, um, so what, what we will see is this marriage of the physical and the spiritual, uh, but now without sin in perfect fellowship with one another. Um, and, and so what does that look like? Um, the passage that you read in Isaiah is a, a, that's talking about future after the resurrection yeah. where you've got the lion laying down with the lamb. You've got children playing with venomous snakes, right? If you think of the fall of sin, there's a lot of things that have happened. Um, part of the fall of sin is you've got thorns, you've got thistles, you've got weeds, you've got all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, another part of the sin, fall of sin is death enters the world. Everyone on a perfect lawn. Yeah. Well, but another, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But another part of sin was death. And Mm -hmm. in that, um, God created these animals, but before the fall, there was no death. Uh, The first death happened when God killed an animal to clothe Adam and Eve because of their sin. Right. And, um, that's right. So you've got all these, you've got all these animals that existed beforehand. Uh, and like what you said, you've got the lion that's eating hay, just like the cow, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you've got the bear that's eating fruits and berries and all that stuff. You've got kids that are playing with snakes. So once animals started eating each other, they also have defense systems. So another part of sin, part of the fall, is poison and venom and sharp teeth and sharp claws and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, but when you don't have that anymore um, and you've got man going back to Adam's original decree, which is he has dominion over the earth because we're going, we're going to be co-heirs with Christ. Right. Christ has been given all authority of heaven and the earth. And in eternity, we will be co-heirs with Christ going back to Adam's original dominion mandate to have dominion over the, over the earth, Mm -hmm. um, to name everything and everything is subject to him. And he's, he's, um, fulfilling that. So we go back to that. Uh, so something that I talked to the boys about is what will eternity look like? It it will look like, you know, um, it's going to be this earth. It's going to be this heavens, you know, this universe, this, Mm -hmm. all of that, um, will be restored. And so if you want to go hike Mount Everest one day, Mm -hmm. you'll get to go and do that. You know, if you want to go, uh, swimming in the ocean with the dolphins, that's what Elijah talks about. He's like, I want to go swim with the dolphins. And Ezra's like, I want to swim with the sharks, Yeah, you know, because there's no fear of death anymore. There's no fear of sin. There's no fear of attack. And, and so, you know, Ezra's going to go swimming with the tiger sharks and Elijah's like, I want to run around with a pack of wolves. <laughs> That's like his <laughs> big thing. I'm yeah. going to hang out with the wolves. I'm going to have like 10 wolves and, uh, and, and that will be my pets, you mm-hmm. know, these 10 <laughs> wolves and we're going to run around yeah. the woods together. Um, but so C.S. Lewis, uh, a lot of people know his, you know, uh, Narnia that he wrote, but he wrote another trilogy. Um, we're going to call it the ransom trilogy. And, uh, but it's, it's this trilogy. Um, it's a fantasy trilogy of outer space, right? Uh, and, and it's three books. So you've got out of the silent planet, you've got, uh, Paralandria, and then you've got the hidden strength and it's about this guy. And, and really, um, I would encourage everybody to read them. They're not crazy long and, and they're really good. But he's dealing with a, a lot of different ideas uh, of what the universe is, what it looks like, um, and all of that. But one of the things that Lewis brings out in that is when they go to Paraland. So you've got this, um, the first one, um, Out of the Silent Planet, that's focused on Earth here and humanity and mankind. Uh, then they go to... Um, Paralandra, and and that is what what is Neptune, mm-hmm. um, and and then they go to that hideous strength, and that's Mars. Um, but all of them are are different states of mankind, pre fall, after the fall, where we're at now, 
uh, in between all of that. And, um, but one of the things he talks about when they go to Mars, um, is because of the makeup of Mars and all of that, people are more dense there than they are here. Uh, when they go to Paralandra, uh, it's more like gassy almost, mm-hmm. you know, so things are, are just more, more buoyant. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but one of the things that he talks about is in Mars, because we're more dense when they're on Mars, um, he, he's kind of looking at when Jesus came back, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus came back in his resurrected body, his perfected body that he'll have for all of eternity. And Jesus walks through the wall, right? So uh, a lot of people, when they hear that and what they envision is, well, Jesus is like this ghost. You Steamy. Know? Yeah. And so he just kind of yeah. walks through the wall. But what C.S. Lewis points out and what he brings out in this is, what if Jesus is more dense? He's more solid. <laughs> I don't know. Can't even, but, you know, what if, what if it's this world that is just a, 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 a shadow of what it will be? You know, yeah. because when he's in these other, when, when he goes to these other planets, colors are brighter, tastes are more vivid, all of mm-hmm. that stuff, you know. So what if sin has just kind of put a filter over us here. Sterilized. And, and yeah. so it's not, it's not Jesus that gave way, but it's the wall that gave way to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the fog. That's the vapor. That's the thing. And Jesus walks through it. Um, and then he goes on to describe that would then make sense for going to these other planets, you know? So um, in eternity, God has made the universe vast, right? Like um, if you look at how vast the universe is and there's all of these planets and there's all of these solar systems and there's all of these things, we're going to have all of eternity to explore that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all created for God's glory and our good, you know? And God's given us a desire to explore. He's given us the, uh, the desire to have authority over the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think we're going to spend eternity doing kind of the things that we love to do now, just perfected in the glory of God, worshiping him, right. you know? So there will be the gathered around the throne. There will be the worshiping of the saints. There will be all of that stuff, but there will also be the things that were in the garden before the curse, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and so there will be food, there will right. be eating, you know, traveling the world, traveling mm-hmm. all of the worlds and eating. And, you know, the fruit was in the garden. Adam and Eve were eating before the fall, you right. know, they had a reproductive system to deal with that, you mm-hmm. know, so, um, they no, had or a, not a reproductive they, system. I mean, no, well, they, they did. <laughs> yeah, well, they did, but, but, um, <laughs> but they yeah. had a digestive system right. to deal with food. They had taste buds. They had all these things. God saw that, that it was good. So there will be eating in heaven and it will bring pleasure, but it will not become, you know, sinful gluttonous. to where we yeah. become gluttonous in it. Um, there will be eating and drinking and fellowship and, you know, all of that stuff will being be. And drinking and being merry. Yeah. <laughs> but all of that stuff will be a part of God's blessing to us. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, um, I've heard it said too that the crowns of righteousness that we get, that we lay at the feet of Jesus, will that are determined by a person's works. You know, mm-hmm. so those that have um, been under the blood of Christ, those that are more faithful have more crowns. Uh, so I've heard it said that that will be more authority in eternity. You know, those that were more faithful will have higher responsibility. Um, for all of eternity than those that were less faithful. Uh, but there's there's going to be no tears. There's going to be no sickness. There's going to be no, none of that, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can eat these great foods all over the world and not have to worry about getting a stomach bug, you know? Right. Um, but um, so I, I think when you think of it in that way, just think about it one day. When you're cutting the grass or riding down the road in your car, just kind of en- en- envision this world without the, the curse of sin, without the fear of death, and um, and and what that would look like. Heaven's going to be that times a trillion, you know? Um, because 
it will be all of those things, but in the glory of God, worshiping him and having fellowship with him. God walked with Adam on a daily basis. Um, They were still farming. They were cultivating food. They were growing. They were working the earth and and getting the the, uh, produce out of that. But then they would also have time every day just to walk with the Lord. He walked mm-hmm. amongst them. And and so that's kind of, I think, a more healthy understanding of what heaven will be. Right. You know, um, you can have your house, you can have your farm, you can do all that. But if you like to travel, you're going to be traveling. If you want to go climb Mount Everest, go do it. You know, you're going to have, if you live on top of Mount Everest, mm-hmm. you can have your pet polar bear. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um that kind of thing. Um, but then also we will be walking with the Lord daily and, 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 and his fellowship. Something else, you know, glorifying him through the work that we do too. You know, it's not just that heaven is this big, massive resort vacation, right. you know. Work like, work, work was part of the original man. Right. Yeah, that was part of creation. Mm-hmm. God gave Adam a task to do, yeah. you know. Um, tend to the animals, tend to here's creation you now have dominion over it. You have a job Mm -hmm. and I want you to cultivate it and I want you to make it better, you know? Um, And so there will be that. We will be working. We will be doing things. Work is not a byproduct of the fall. Work is a part of creation, you know? And so we will be working and it will be joyful and beneficial, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, There will be, you know, you're going to have eternity to perfect music, you know, right. um, you're going to have eternity to perfect art. And we look at the beauty of God's creation and even these like horrible parts of the world, they're beautiful. You know, like right. I know when I was in Afghanistan, we're there in, in war, but like when I'm standing on top of this snow covered mountain and looking at this beautiful blue river that's running by, mm-hmm. um, like God has made beauty everywhere and we will get to enjoy that forever. Yeah. You know, um, food tastes delicious, <laughs> you know, and you will yeah. get to perfect that in eternity. Um, so, but not, then you're also throwing in, it's not just here, but it's, it's the whole universe, you right. know? And, and so C.S. Lewis liked the idea that as we have our heavenly bodies that are more dense and, maybe that's not the right word, but they're created to be able to travel to these other parts of the universe that God created. You know, you mm-hmm. look at Jesus in his resurrected body ascends up into the heavens, right. you know? So, um, so think of Star Trek, think of, you know, National Geographic, think of the food network all tied into perfectly eternal Mm-hmm. You know, that, that is kind of, uh, I think a, a better understanding of what heaven is. Right. So I hope that this conversation has been helpful. I hope that it's made you think about it. Uh, if you have other questions or anything that we need to follow up on from anything that we've said, uh, feel free to, to, uh, shoot us an email or reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, There will be a link to all of this in the show notes so you can get in touch with us. But we like hearing from you. We like answering your questions. And um, we love you. Have a good Lord's Day. We will talk to you next week. That we will. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye.